Welcome to One Interview, One World. This is Lainey Kay, and this is a show about interviewing people from all walks of life because everyone has a story to share and we can all learn from each other. I hope you enjoy listening. A lot of times people say, I want to uh, create more money, for example. And then the very next statement out of their mouth is, I can't afford that. Right. Well, you, the fuel is I can't afford it, but you're not, it's not going to propel me having more money or I want to feel abundant. I want to feel prosperous. I want to feel rich and wealthy. And then you're like, oh, I don't have enough or I'm in lack or, well, that's really expensive over there. Who's going to pay for that? And it has to do with the mindset. Today, I'm with Donna Campbell, who is known as the Mind Whisperer. Donna combines her past knowledge, wisdom, experience to assist you in creating and restoring a life of happiness, prosperity, and love. Donna has over 25 years combined of professional experience. As a former financial advisor, her book, Financially Fit, is an Amazon international bestseller bringing together the world of money and the energy body and the soul's essence. She is a professional speaker sharing her techniques during interactive workshops and maintains an international private practice. Donna has shared the stage with Lisa Nichols, Dr. Joe Vitale, Sharon Lecter, and Kevin Harrington. Her personal heart-centered healing philosophy is to create a world that is a better place for all to live. Thank you so much, Donna, for being here today, and it's exciting to learn more about you. And the first question that I like to ask people is really, like, how did you become who you are? So what was your childhood like, or where did you grow up? All right, and thank you for having me here today, too. I grew up actually near the poverty line in Silicon Valley, and it was right at the height of the women's movement. So my mom, I remember her asking me one day what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I remember looking up at her going, well, I'm going to join Greenpeace and save the whales, <laughs> which wasn't the right answer because in the women's liberation movement, it was, you can be anything you want to be in the world. You can, you know, be a doctor or a lawyer or a scientist. And that really shaped my childhood. And because of the lack of money, lack of income, we weren't allowed to talk about it. It was an embarrassment. I became incredibly passionate about helping other people have opportunities for themselves and their children in the realm of money. So I became a financial advisor. Although my passion was correct for me, my how-to method, the financial planning part of it was not in alignment with who I was. Mm -hmm. and it, my, I traded my health for it. I traded a marriage for it. And I became financially devastated myself after 10 years in that career. So I had to reinvent myself and my how-to methods to fulfill my passion today. Well, when you were growing up, since it seems like this is um, not just financial planning, but it's more on the spiritual side of things, were you, when you were growing up, spiritual or raised spiritual or, you know, had you know, moments when things were different than other people? Um, my parents went to church when I was little and then they stopped going. 
off and on throughout the years, I would always go back and find someone I could go to church with. I always had a belief in a power greater than ourselves that created us. But as far as the spiritual side of things, no. Um, I remember I always had this interest. And one time I got a book on astrology because I wanted to know more about it. And I got in trouble for reading it. Hmm. Uh, so, and I'm like, but it's my sun side and I want to know about myself. And so I've always had that inquisitive nature, but it wasn't really allowed in my household at all growing up to investigate anything outside of what the norm would be. Mm -hmm. so I definitely went against the grain. <laughs> well, how did you end up getting into the financial planning? Well, just having that passion of helping other people mm -hmm. uh, have opportunities with money, like sending their kids to college, that type of thing. So when I went to the university and started studying, I got a finance degree and a marketing degree, and I started researching out all the different possible careers that I could have. And financial planning seemed like a great fit. So as soon as I was done with my studies, I was hired on an investment firm. I moved up the management ranks and was also a managing principal for the investment firm. And at the end of my career, I was responsible for $500 million of other people's money. Wow. And the last two years of it, I couldn't digest food. I wasn't healthy. And then because I couldn't digest food, there was something in the outside life that I couldn't digest either. And that was when I learned about the, well, the anger I knew, but the infidelity of my marriage. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't digest the anger is what was happening. I also grew up in a very angry household, so I thought that was normal, and it's mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. So I um, went after two years of Western medicine, I sought out a natural healer to find out what was going on with me to start repairing my body because Western medicine, maxing out your health insurance, didn't mm -hmm. figure it out. Mm -hmm. So that's how you became part of your life by going to a healer? Yes, um, I went to a doctor. She was a naturopathic doctor, mm -hmm. but she also did oriental medicine and was blending her techniques. And I remember when I went there and her intake interview was so different. She talked to me for like an hour to an hour and a half, gave me some enzymes, did some energy stuff and sent me home. And I would do this every couple of weeks. And after about three months, my entire stomach was rebuilt. And that was when I realized what I couldn't digest in the outside world and um, knew I needed to make some changes. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I was trying to release the excess weight from my child, uh, the second child that I had. I was going to the gym, counting calories, keeping food logs, had a personal trainer. And after a year and a half, I did not release one pound off my body. And when I uncovered what was wrong in my marriage and decided to make some changes, when that energy, he left the house, I was happy. And I was like happy for the first time. And within three months, 40 pounds came off of my body. I had already quit going to the gym and I didn't keep food logs anymore. And if I wanted brownies for dinner, I ate them because I was happy <laughs> and the weight came off. So all the weight I was holding on to in my body was an emotional weight of anger, which also prompted me back down the little healing path of, wait a minute, there's a connection with emotions and feelings and what we're trying to do in the physical world, which is the basis of the work I do today.
And I realized um, the weight had come off. Let's see, January, I knew something was wrong. By that summer, we were gone. And it was during that time frame, the weight just came off because I wasn't in that state of anger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So can I go back just to where you were saying that you were you were managing like $500 million. So that was like a huge stress over you too, I take it? Stress, worry, pressure, anger, yeah. frustration. It's not fun when you're responsible for that amount of money and 9-11 happens and you have to be the one answering the phone saying, you know, the stock market is closed. I don't know when it will open. And I'm sorry, I can't get your money out for you. That's not fun. <laughs> I, I don't want to be in that position again. <laughs> okay. So it was like a t- atypical situation. Yeah. Well, that was, that was one of the yeah. things in the 10 years. And then when I left the financial services industry, I went to an ashram, which is a a spiritual living community to learn meditation and science and physics and brainwave patterns. And, and when I got done with my year of my recovery, I was unemployable in the financial services industry. It was at the tight of the global recession and nobody was hiring no matter how many security licenses you had. So that really ended my career in financial services because I had planned to go back mm. and that an option anymore so it was taken from me Mm -hmm. but that was probably a positive thing in the long run it was yes absolutely I know you've written the book financially fit but I guess you could go into explaining financially fit or you could go into more detail about how did you learn more of the modalities that helped you to create writing the book well I dedicated my life to a healing path is what I did and decided that because I had gone through three things and it was over those five, four or five years, my health, my wealth and my relationships, I dedicated my life to really understanding what was going on because I was my own first client. And then I started holding out my services to other people and then people started healing. So I got referred out. So today I have an international practice 11 years later But it was through that whole course of all the different studies, the different people that I met, I met a medicine woman, I met some shamans, I met Buddhist monks, I met yogic healers, in addition to Western modalities that I studied. And it was a compilation of all those things that helped me put together the book Financially Fit. And there was a couple of years ago, I realized when I was getting to the heart of the issue working on with a client, they would say something like, I just want to know that I'm worthy, that I'm appreciated, that I'm valued, that I'm enough. And then I I realized those were the same words we used in the financial services industry. Here is your net worth. Your portfolio value is. Your assets appreciated. Oh, and do you have enough money for XYZ goal? And if you didn't feel like you were enough on the inside, you didn't have enough money on the outside. And there was a direct correlation that how a person feels affects their money supply because money is a form of energy exchange. It doesn't have an energy of its own except for the energy you apply to it. And the energy that got applied to it was all in the subconscious area. So I put together Financially Fit, which is the bridge between the planning side of the world and the healing esoteric side of the world. Um, because It's kind of that middle intersecting point. 
because how you feel about yourself is how money responds in your life. And that's what I've seen continually for the last few years. Mm-hmm. When you went to the ashram, was that in America or in India? I was in an American ashram. So it was um, a community. I got to live there. I was right above one of the temples. My children went to their school and I did some of their teacher training programs. And it gave us a really good solid foundation and base of how to be and how to operate in this world. And um, my children today, they're grown and they are some of the most empowered people internally They don't seek outside validation. They're really good and strong with who they are because that was part of their foundation, although they don't remember being there. So they were, they were young. I take it. They were young. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the Eastern philosophy teaches different than the Western philosophy. Then I take it that they're teaching the person, the child to be, understand that there were something they they learn to love themselves. I take it that's what they're kind of teaching. Right. So at the school, um, they would arrive in the morning. They would do their yoga um, and they did posture yoga. So Hatha yoga, and then they would sit down in the circle and then they would take five or 10 minutes to meditate and set the intention for the day. And then they would start their activities, but even just the activities that they did, it had a mindfulness to it. So say your your little one draws a beautiful picture and she, they bring it up to you. And, hey, mom, do you like my picture? And instead of saying yes, because you don't want to, the, the philosophy was that the child's not doing it to please you. They have to understand why they drew the picture. And so they taught us to say yes. Um, I see that the birds are blue and the grass is really green and you painted a beautiful sun. And then, you know, you know, cause they wanted validation. So instead of just saying, yes, I like it. It's like, well, what do you like about the picture? So they could talk about what they liked about it. And you just point out the features as an observational uh, judgment instead of a critical judgment, whether you really liked it or not. And I found that really interesting to do because they became self-validating instead of looking outside of themselves or doing the people pleasing and things. So there was a lot of teaching around things like that, that were completely different than the Western world. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah, I love that. So where may I ask, was this place? Mm -hmm. I was at a place called Ananda. It was from the teachings of Yogananda, uh, Parsahama Yogananda, there we go. And he had come over from India to bring yoga to the Western United States. And it wasn't just the posture yoga, it was all areas of yoga. And he uh, put together an ashram that was down in Encinitas in California. And then one of the members, Kriyananda, formed Ananda, and they have a lot of these little living communities in several different places. So I think there's five or six of them uh, between Washington and California. And I was at the one that was in Oregon. Ah, oh, that's so neat. Do they teach children that kind of thing too? Yes, the children live there in the community. They were there, they teach the children. 
um, through the school. And then if there was classes and things outside of that, they could go to that. They could go to all of the services and everything. So the children were incorporated into everything that we were doing. And now um, I do believe there's a lineage that goes through. And one of the people in the lineage was uh, a guru by the name of uh, Lahiri Mahashire. And his great-great-grandson is now doing Kriya Yoga and things like that. And so he got associated with Ananda. And so they administer Kriya Yoga a little bit differently. So he comes over now from India to do that, to tie it back. Mm. So there's a lot of connectivity that way. Mm, that's wonderful. How would you explain spirituality to people? Wow. Today, after studying a bunch of religious pathways and a bunch of spiritual pathways, I would say, what is in your heart space? Because what is in your heart space is how you connect to other people, your environment, to nature, and the world around you. So to be spiritual is to be connected to all things, whether it's the trees and the rocks and, and the environment or other people or um, and having that deeper relationship with it and with the source energy, because that source energy is in everything. It can be scientifically measured. And it's really about having that deeper connection. I don't necessarily believe that it means that you have to go to a, to a building to worship or to anything, but if that's where you find your deeper connection, then that's where you go and to honor that. And it's to honor all pathways, not just one or another. So sometimes I find myself in some temples or some church buildings <laughs> because it feels like that's the, the place I need to be at the moment. And other times it might just be, I'm out on the lake kayaking because I can feel that energy. Mm -hmm. That was beautiful. I love that explanation. How did you evolve your business then to incorporate like regular business, uh, you know, the financial planning as well as the spiritual side? Well, I'm not currently a financial planner because you still have to be securities licensed and I'm no longer that. But what I do do is help people in those areas, but we're realigning it on a subconscious level to what you consciously know to make change and get 100% results all at the same time. So in bringing together the business financial side and with what I do today, I talk and share with people a little bit about the subconscious. The subconscious records everything from the moment you're born to the moment you exit this earth, it records everything as an event. And then it's constantly assigning feelings and emotions to those events, to what you're feeling in the moment, moment by moment. The problem is, is that we're only aware of this happening 10% of the time. We know it's 10% because scientists measured Albert Einstein's brain, his awareness was 10%. So the other 90% is hidden. So we don't always know the emotions and feelings that got associated with the event. And what happens with the subconscious is, is that it plays like a mind tape going through the brain, repeating patterns on an automated system. So you could be going along throughout your day and all at once you feel this trigger and you're like, whoa, where did this come from? I'm now like angry or I'm frustrated in this moment. And it's just showing that the subconscious and what, what you were consciously doing were not in alignment. So what I do is I assist the client going through the process from the conscious point of view, 
to find the thought, to find the thought behind the thought, behind the thought, back to the original thoughts and uncover what those hidden energies are. And then we change the energy underneath it to what was needed at the time. And it changes the whole process moving forward. So a client will come to me and say, I want to create more, more money. Well, how do you feel not creating more? And sometimes they'll say, I'm frustrated. I find out where it's located in the body to uncover an event that their parents got divorced when they were nine, the more got divided up and they were frustrated because the parents put them in the middle of the divorce. After making the change to what they needed, which was a sense of accomplishment and pride and respect, they saw it from a different point of view and saw that they were happy instead of frustrated and that they were riding their bicycle down the street. The event doesn't change, so their parents still got divorced, but they were happy with who they were. Well, that happiness carries through, and then what was happening is they were able to create the more. They kept doing the same things that they were doing, but it had a different fuel, a different energy propelling that thought forward, and now the abundance and the prosperity they were asking for arrived because the frustration used to stop it, the happiness, the respect allowed it to come in. And that's the basis of the work that I do today. Mm-hmm. So it's going back and, and showing them that even though you viewed this kind of negatively, you were still, you still had happiness and joy, or mm-hmm. is it that you're kind of reframing the, the way it happened? It is using the words that the client says. So I'm not watching anything that they don't want. Mm-hmm. And it's giving it a different perspective, which is a technique that I learned from a medicine woman called pivot and shift. Because in every moment, every possibility exists. What happened was their brain got stuck on frustration. All of those other energies were also there too. But They got stuck on frustration, so they couldn't see the other energies. Just like when I was um, not able to digest food and I was going to the gym, my brain got stuck on anger instead of happiness and joy. So when they uncover what it is that they needed in the moment, then that can come in and then it opens up the consciousness and the subconsciousness to see the event from different points of view. And because I saw it from a different point of view, it creates a different chemical in the brain, in the neurons, between, in the synapse between the two neurons. And when that happens, you feel it flush through the entire body. And then that's what recodes the brain and reprograms it to the new way of being because it creates the new chemical that wasn't there before. So mm-hmm. it's instantaneous change. Mm-hmm. So just finding what, what moment in their life kind of mm-hmm. made that happen and then do you use exercises or is there mantras or it's just like once you find once it's done it's done oh interesting you get to move forward it's completed yeah. um it's not like coaching where I'm now i'm going to have you do these six steps and then no it's pay attention to how you feel during the week and when we get back together next week tell me what happens mm-hmm. and then if not everything's 100 percent in alignment we can go in and fine-tune it and if you had a pretty good week, then we start looking forward, creating new things. Mm-hmm. And what do you teach people about creating or like going ahead, moving forward? Well, I want to know first what it is that they want to create, mm-hmm. what they want to manifest for. Uh, we look at how things feel 
And then we look at why do they don't have it in this moment? Why are they waiting to have it in the future? And then what's stopping them from bringing it into existence today? And then we look at those lower energies, we release them, same type of process. And then we bring in the energies of what it feels like to have it today. And then the next thing they know, there it is, it's done. They're like, I didn't do anything. And it, now it's here. It's like, yeah, that's how it works. So releasing past energy blocks and then um, focusing or imagining what you're, you want, and then that helps bring it about. Yes, absolutely. And then we make sure that there's not anything that's going to stop what you're asking for energetically to come into your life. And then it just happens. Mm -hmm. So that's like maybe your, your environment or what you're, the things that you're dealing with or the way you're eating or your exercise, that kind of stuff. That will all naturally change for you mm -hmm. because the brain is creating new chemicals and the new chemicals are going to give you new physical um, sensations. And you're going to notice your diet's going to naturally change, or you're going to start exercising or walking down the street because that supports the new chemicals. And it's a very natural process. And you might go back and say, okay, I'm going to go eat. Okay. My favorite thing in the world is like Captain Crunch cereal with the little berries, which is not the healthiest thing in the world, but every once in a while, and I'll go back and eat it. And it's like, oh, I don't feel very good eating it, but I really wanted it in the moment. So I had it. So it's moderation, including moderation. Your diet will shift and change exercise. All of those things will naturally happen. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to make yourself do any of that. It'll just be, and mm -hmm. that's the beauty of this and how it works. And then the book that you wrote, is that what the book teaches? It shows you some of that process. Yes. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, it tells you a little bit about my journey, um, about how happiness is on the inside and how money is not going to fulfill that on the outside and how to bring more of that in your self-sabotaging thoughts that when you ask for things, what stops it, the three keys to opening up doors of prosperity. The middle part of the book is about creating and manifesting and how it works um, and how it's tied to your brain. And then the end, you are writing your own client affluence story. So it's the process that I utilize, but this is like all the information behind it. Mm -hmm. And if you're interested, of course, you know, there's courses, you can contact me individually, um, any of those things. But if you um, follow the book, you can start making changes yourself just by reading it. Mm -hmm. And then you do, you do courses as well, you said? I do. So the Financially Fit book in there, it talks about the Financially Fit program which is a group teaching program over a two day period. And then I have an extended program that would go for once um, over six weeks, once a week. And that includes private session work as well. Mm -hmm. well that's good. You work mainly just over the internet with people from all over the world. Yes, I do. And actually I had an international practice long before the whole world went digital. <laughs> so I would use my phone a lot. And um, we would just connect on the phone and just have a conversation. And now with Zoom and things, sometimes people want like to have that. The beauty of me using the phone is I always have my eyes closed and then I can really listen to the tone, the voice, the inflection, the energy underneath it to get a really good reading where I'm on Zoom. It's like I'm sitting here with my eyes closed because I'm still listening 
And then the client thinks they have to close their eyes. And then pretty soon we're on a video with our eyes closed. And I'm like, we could have just been on the phone. <laughs> and wow. So it's funny, but yes. Um, and I can do anything in person as well. Um, but we don't have to be together for it to work because people will feel it and they'll feel the energy. Mm-hmm. What are important thought processes that people can do do to think and act more positively? One of the things that I'm, well, maybe I'll share this, a little technique that I use myself throughout the day. And that is a little quick breathing exercise. But before you do the quick breathing exercise, the first thing is to understand and have awareness to how you feel in the moment. So anytime you feel stress, pressure, worry, anxiety, depression, anger, anything like that, stop yourself. And then ask yourself, how would you rather feel? Most of us don't want stress. Most of us don't want pressure. We want to feel happy or joyful or peaceful and calm. So you're going to take the opposite word and say it's happiness. When you breathe in, you're breathing in oxygen, all the good nutrients that your body needs. So when you breathe in, you think the word happiness. And when you breathe out, we're breathing out the carbon dioxide and all the things that we don't need. So when we breathe out, say you think, you know, the word stress and you breathe out the stress and set a timer on your phone for like two minutes, breathe in happiness, breathe out stress. And what that's going to do is change you physiologically. You're going to be more calmer. The um, happiness and peace will come in. The stress and the worry will leave. And then you go back to your task and your activity and you have clear focus and the right frame of mind to finish what it is that you are doing. Mm-hmm. That's one way to shift that part of the mindset to pull you from one energy to the next. But the key to that is knowing when you feel the stress or the frustration inside, because then that's the moment it needs to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been reading about that where you, that's like your, they call it your emotional guidance system. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just think that we haven't been taught in our lives to pay attention to this, even from like when we were young, like how to deal with our feelings. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big part of what you're doing, but, mm-hmm. you know, be, making yourself aware. Yeah. Don't, it's like, don't go down the rabbit hole when you are, when you're not feeling good, right. you're not thinking good. So exactly. it's, it's changing the thought pattern, huh? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And by doing something like that, it's something physical that you can do to change the thought pattern. My son growing up, um, he was a little bit on the spectrum being autistic and he was also dyslexic. So he would always get all of this angst energy inside. And so we had to teach him a couple of different techniques as well. And one of them was to first recognize when you're in this energy and then ask yourself, what do I need in this moment? And he's a very physical person and he caught on quickly that he needed to move his body. So he would go outside when it was too much and skateboard or ride his bicycle or go run up and down the street or around the block because he had to get the emotion physically out of his body to feel better. So different people will use different things and different techniques. But now that he's grown he's um in his 20s he's in the military and that's exactly what he does when he needs to get the energy moving again he knows and it's an automatic process and he has to go do something physical um but it's the awareness of it first that makes all the difference in the world Mm -hmm. 
I liked how you said, you know, why am I feeling like this? And then how do I want to feel? I, that was a really good question. How do I want to feel right now? It's a good question to ask yourself. But what other thoughts can they, uh, well, I like the happiness and the stress, happiness mm -hmm. and the stress out, but what are some other things that you might say to yourself to help? Well, people like to use affirmations a lot. The thing with affirmations is, is that it's on the conscious awareness, that 10%. In order for that affirmation to get back to the subconscious to really reprogram it, you are probably saying it three, four hundred times a day, and you're going to be doing that for several months for you to have that programmed in the subconscious that way because we're doing it from a very conscious perspective. Mm -hmm. But what I like about affirmations is they don't have to be very long. And you can just put little reminders around your house of different things that you want to be reminded of. And you can use little sticky notes or little stickers just so that you see it constantly of the message that you want to give yourself. So here on my computer, someone sent me these stickers and um, they um, glow in the dark, but I taped it on the bottom of my computer and it's just yellow and um, has black writing on it. And it just says you are beautiful. And so I just have it there. And I have a couple other little things around my computer that when I see it, I'm reminded of the things that I want to create in my life. Mm -hmm. And I use those as a reminder. It's not that I'm walking around 300 times a day and I'm saying it. It's just that it's constantly in my vision. And because it's in my vision, it's in my awareness and you become it. So if you want to have more finances, write out little things. I am abundant. I am prosperous. I am wealthy. I'm rich in life. And you can put those little reminders in places that you look often and you will see it because it will remind you that you already are those things. Mm -hmm. Tell the audience more about intention. Mm -hmm. Intention is huge, but without you can have the best intentions in the world, but if that frequency underneath the intention isn't in alignment with the intention, it may not happen. So it's kind of like driving your car. Um, your car is your thought, and they say your thoughts create your reality. That's true. But in order your, for your car to drive forward, what do you need to put in it? Gas, yeah. Right. Now... Without the gas, your car's not going to drive forward. And if you don't put the right type of gas in your car, what's going to happen? Right. Doesn't work so well. <laughs> Doesn't work. Now there's regular gasoline. There's different grades of gasoline. There's diesel. There's electric. There's hybrid. There's hydrogen and corn oil cars that I've seen. And if you don't put the right type of fuel in the car, your car's not going to go very far. Well, it's exactly the same in how it works with our thoughts. We can have intention and we can have intention with our thought, but if the fuel underneath it isn't in alignment, you're not gonna go very far. So that intention has to be in alignment with the energy that's underneath it. But you can change the energy underneath it, which will fuel the intention. And when that happens, your thoughts go farther and back, creating for you. So a lot of times people say, I want to uh, create more money, for example. And then the very next statement out of their mouth is, I can't afford that. 
Right. Well, you, the fuel is I can't afford it, but you're not, it, it's not going to propel me having more money or I want to feel abundant. I want to feel prosperous. I want to feel rich and wealthy. And then you're like, oh, I don't have enough or I'm in lack or, well, that's really expensive over there. Who's going to pay for that? And it has to do with the mindset mm-hmm. because that's one of the things I discovered. Um, there was this, um, it's called a focus band and it's a way, a device that you can put on to measure your brainwave patterns. And I was sitting at a friend's house who was incredibly wealthy. And we were looking at this because another person had brought it over and we were playing with it because I wanted to know more about it. And I'm like, well, how much are these? This is kind of really cool. And she's like, you know, they're about $500. And I went, wow that's a bargain because I'm thinking an EEG machine is like thousands of dollars and this is like 500 and I can get results. And my incredibly wealthy friend says, well, that's a lot of money for a device. So it all has to do with the value and the perception behind it. And I'm thinking this is a great deal. And she's like, no, that's too much money. And so that it's about the feel underneath with the intention to what it is with the outcome. And it may be completely different from person to person. Yeah. That was a really good analogy and comparison because what, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about that, like how different we, we all think about things in our different perspectives. And so that will make a huge difference. When you're envisioning or you're planning or creating, what, what kind of things do you to help your clients to do with that? Like if I'm leading them through and they are. Yeah. Teaching them to use in their thought patterns for, for what they want to create. It all depends on what it is that they do want to create. A lot of times, um, a lot of my clients are in sales, Mm -hmm. a lot of more heart centered business owners. Mm -hmm. So a lot of their business relies on them. Uh, in making those sales to keep the business going. And when they tell me what their goals and things are, then what we do is we align that energy underneath it. So we take out the things that will that are stopping it from them having more sales. And then we start focusing on the things that we can, I'm going to use the word control. So let me give you this example. Um, a client earlier today was uh, they're in sales, but they also have to have people for recruits. And part of what they do in the financial services industry, um, it's set up similar to like an MLM. And they have to do two sides, sales and recruits. Mm -hmm. And he's more on the recruiting side for people. And they had a goal of five recruits a week. Now we want him to reach that goal. So to doing the work, it was you know, we need to have goals that we can actually control the activity of because we can't force five people a week to sign up if they don't want to, it's free will. But what we can focus on is our activities that will facilitate five recruits in a week. And I asked how many calls is that in a week? And he said 15. So I said, okay, so we need to have a goal of 15 to 20 calls a week. That's three to four calls a day So we know there's enough people to have five recruits in a week. Mm -hmm. So we can control that. So that's a proper goal to have. And because it was a proper goal, we could redirect the focus on, 
what the activity is rather than the result. And when you stay focused on the activity, the results are going to magnify because your focus is on a different area. Just like with books and books, publications and stuff, you know, I want to sell 10,000 books in six months, for example. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't make 10,000 people buy my book if they don't want to buy my book. But what I can say is I'm going to do six podcasts, um, one a month. I can do 10 book signings and I'm going to put an article in this magazine to say, hey, here's my book. Those are the activities that you do. And then the results will come. But the results from what I've learned is they magnify because you're not focusing on the end. You're focusing on the process that changes your energy. And then you get more of the result of what you're asking for. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, put the goal out there, but don't have like the, that end goal as what you're focusing on. You're just focusing on the process that's going to be there. Right, because that's going to facilitate the goal and the end result, but that end result comes back greater. So if you say five recruits in a week, you might get four, sometimes five, but if you stay focused on the process, you might have seven or eight. And then, you know, sometimes people come across like when they're in sales as very pushy or like they have to get the sale. So that is like a turnoff. So how does a person who's in sales, um, like I'm thinking, like, like you're saying, you're focusing on the process, you're not putting out an expectation. So you're like relaxed and you, you just let it flow. That's what I'm, guessing, I'm uh -huh. guessing is what you're kind of talking about too. Right. Now the one that comes across that they're pushy, I have to get the sale, that's needy, that's clinginess, that's stress, pressure, worry, they're not in the right energy. So then what is the right energy to be in to make those cells? And there are four pillars to what I call having a healthy financial mindset. So this is to me the profit of service and sales is in the service industry. So the first pillar is to be of service, to be there for the other person first before the financial gain is ever there. The second pillar has to do with happiness, because if you're internally happy, the stress, the worry, the frustration, all of that is not there. And when somebody comes, it's not a have to, I have to make this sale. It's I'm happy to be of service to you. Third pillar is kindness, because when you are internally kind, more kindness comes, it's going to increase sales, even if you're a business owner, because people want to do business with happy, kind people where they feel good. And if they don't, they're not going to return and they're going to probably tell 10 people never go to your place because you, they didn't treat you right. And then the fourth pillar is generosity and that's a way of giving back. And if you really truly lead with a kind heart, that generosity just happens naturally. And because it happens naturally, then people want to be in that energy and they will be magnetically attracted to you to do more. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful explanation. Yeah, I love that. And I love that that's your process and that's what you're teaching people. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I was going to ask you what actions help people achieve their goals. Mm -hmm. So it was, it is the action. Like you can have all the intention in the world. So the feeling you need right. to have, then the intention, and then you have to act upon it. And then you need to have, 
you need to be coming from love and wanting to help people as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got it down. And if you do more on the being, what I call the being side of the, how I want to feel with the intention, and that is really good and anchored in, then those natural action steps happen. You'll be shown the way. And when you do them, you have the result that you asked for because action is only part of that 10% conscious reality. And we are so good about running around doing, 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 doing. We forgot how to be. And if you put 90% of your effort into the being of this is what I want, this is how I want to feel, this is how I release my stress and anger, this is all the good things, and you put it in alignment, then when you take your action step, that 10%, you're in 100% alignment and it comes. Mm. Beautiful. Do you want to share what a typical work day or week is for you? Oh my goodness. Um, it depends on where my client is in the morning. So sometimes when I work with people um, over in India or Malaysia or Europe, and I'm, I'm on the phone at six in the morning, sometimes a little earlier, I will have a couple of different podcasts because I'm always putting out the information uh, it's mixed in with clients, individual clients. And then that's the bulk of my day. And then by about, uh, gosh, six or seven o'clock in the evening, I'm pretty much done. I do work long hours. And then um, I start it all over again. And then somewhere in there, I get to do all of my own admin responsibilities that I have. But I do take time off. And I do take off focus time to finish and complete projects because I still have to write. I still have magazine articles and deadlines. Um, I still have speeches and presentations that I have to deliver. And then the networking that goes on top of it. So I will take literal days off just to sit down and focus that 90% of the energy and get those things done. And then I go back into my regular day schedule. Very, mm -hmm. but that's pretty typical. Yeah. yeah. And then what does networking entail for you? What I like to do is meet people, mm -hmm. have conversations with them. Part of it is like with podcasts and things, it's a way to network. But there are different networking groups that um, I'm a part of. And when I can, I like to attend them because it's like seeing all your old friends again. And with everything being virtual, I've gotten to meet people that I didn't get to meet in my everyday life by doing and going to some of those events virtually. Um, live events are starting again. I'm excited because I'll be out on stage this fall speaking on live events, but I'm going to be going to a live networking event here in June uh, that came up um, with one of the groups that I'm with. And I went, hmm, I think I'm gonna fly over to Chicago and go do that for a few days and meet people in person because I know some of them online. So. It's about just keeping and maintaining those connections. Mm -hmm. Very good. Thank you for sharing that. What life advice would you like to share? Live the life you love and love the life you live. Very that good. Would be, that would be mine all day long. Yeah, I like that. That's a good, that's a good mantra to say <laughs> to yourself. And I like to ask people, what do you think humanity needs to work on to make our world a better place? happiness and kindness because if you come from that place and that place in your heart miracles happen and miracles don't have to be huge things it could be 
that you recognized that the store clerk was not having a good day and you were kind and happy and it lifted them up and they smiled and they were nicer to the next five people. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, I, it's so true when when you're in a you're happy, you share that happiness with others and you're able to be kind to others and yeah, so that should be like an intention every day. Like when you're when you're setting your day, I'm going to be happy today or I'm going to be kind today. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. What is the best way for people to reach you or learn more about you? Um, the easiest way is at my website, DonnaCampbell.com. And the best way if you wanted to direct message me is probably through Instagram. So you can find me there as well. But I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn. And um, gosh, I have Twitter and YouTube, I think, as well. So any of those platforms, I'll pick up the message when it highlights and I'll respond back to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what do you think? This is just kind of off topic, but there's so many platforms that it's like hard to be focused on all of them or spread. I feel like you get spread thin by all of these platforms. What's your opinion? Um, I agree. And I, there are so many, there are so many that I haven't learned. Um, pick two or three that you absolutely love to do and stay focused there because people will be able to find you. So my top three would be Instagram, uh, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. The other two I do use, but not to the same degree. And I know there's others um, out there. Um, and some of them are phone apps that get crossed over with social media and things as well. So I have abilities to connect with clients all around the world based on what phone apps they use in their um, countries. But at the same time, I'm not a big end user on it and I couldn't use some of it anyway. So stay focused on the ones you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. I know the new biggest thing has been Clubhouse. It's been great. It took me a little while to learn it. And um, when it's fitting and I can get it in my schedule, it works great. And if not, it's not at the top of my list. Right. So. Yeah. And when you're working internationally with clients, are you just having them call a regular phone number? Or are you using like the WhatsApp or what, what are your options there? Yeah, I use WhatsApp. I have bottom. Uh, I've had people call me on Snapchat. I have a little folder that has about 13 different phone apps <laughs> based on what country they're in. Um, because each country is a little different and some countries don't allow you to use like Facebook Messenger for a phone call or WhatsApp for a phone call. They can only message. So then we have to get on Zoom sometimes to do the phone call just because that's what works in their country so mm -hmm. yeah i find it fascinating that you're working with so many international clients from unique countries and that was just word of mouth right referred out mostly yeah. for that because um, everybody knows somebody and when they send referrals not everyone's always in the same country <laughs> yeah that's fantastic very yeah. good do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share um, let me share a personal mantra that I wrote and it was when I was going through all of those difficult hard times. And even this last year with the whole pandemic, I've said this often and it is trust and you will see, believe, and you will know, have faith. All is well, follow your heart and spirit will lead you.
Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing about yourself. It was nice meeting you. It's great being here. This was a lot of fun. So thank okay. you. Okay. Very good.